episode 16 of the Online Chicken School podcast. Today we're talking about Rhode Island Reds and New Hampshire Reds. It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. Doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. All right, today we're going to start off with a farm update. We were out this last weekend looking at the chickens because... As we've mentioned in previous episodes, we like to go around and handle all the chickens at least once a week. And we noticed when we went to the Light Sussex Coop that uh, they have chicken pox. No, they don't have chicken pox. They have chicken pox. They're chickens. They have fowl pox. Oh, agree to disagree. It looks just like when you as a person had chicken pox as a kid. Why do they call chicken pox on people chicken pox and on chickens it's fall pox? Well, first of all, the, the, the pox that infects birds applies to more than just chickens. Oh. It applies to other birds as well. Okay. Well, anyway, the light Sussex are covered in pox. Yeah, they have the pox. Fortunately, it's not smallpox. Yes, and there's two different kinds of pox. There's a wet pox and a dry pox, and they appear to have dry pox. And uh, it's pretty much spreading through that coop. Once one of them gets it, they're all going to get it. But just like in people, once they have it, a couple weeks to a month, it works through their system, and then they don't get it again. The fall pox is just a viral infection. They can get it from other birds they can get it from mosquitoes. They can get it from flies that kind of step in the wounds of one bird and then transmit it to another bird, and it's really disgusting. And if you if you get the pox on your chickens, you will freak out a little bit because it's pretty ugly. It is nasty. I bet it's the mosquitoes because we have had such horrible mosquitoes and even flies here this season that, I mean, we're covered in mosquito bites, so I bet it was a mosquito. Well, it's, it's the thing about Florida. We're a tropical climate. And so the summers are very wet, especially the end of summer. It rains every afternoon and with all that moisture brings out mosquitoes. Yep. You just can't control them. Even our bug eating chicken ninjas can't keep up with all the bugs that are out there. They got to sleep sometime and that's when they get them. So what happens with the pox is that they just get those ugly black bumps anywhere they don't have feathers. They can get it on their face, their legs, their toes and uh, on their combs and it's pretty noticeable yeah and Susie mentioned there's there's two forms there's the dry and the wet the dry if you're going to get it is the better of the two because it's um, much less likely to be fatal and it clears itself up after about two weeks the wet kind is different the the difference is the wet one they get the lesions inside their digestive tract oh that's awful and it can literally, they can grow to the point where it'll choke them out. They can't breathe. They can't swallow. And that can be fatal. So do you think if they live long enough that they'll get shingles? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. According to the TV, if you've had the pox virus, <laughs> you have a one in three chance of getting shingles. Maybe there's a vaccine out there for the shingles. 
Yeah, I wonder. The chicken shingles vaccine. You should call the 800 number about that. Yes. Or mention it to your doctor. (laughs) I will mention it to the doctor the next time I'm there. So anyway, they look miserable. What we're just trying to do is make them as comfortable as possible, put some ACV in their water, apple cider vinegar, and giving them yogurt is great for their digestive tract, which keeps them healthier and, and helps them push through a little bit, hopefully quicker. And if you do get the pox, don't be ashamed. It can happen in the nicest homes. That's right. It doesn't mean you're dirty. But do keep them away from the other chickens on your property because that's what we had to do. Um, We like to let our chickens out a lot and we can't let them out because even if they peck in the grass uh, in one of our raised beds and then we let out a clean set of chickens that don't have the pox, they can actually get it just from going in that same area. So it's unfortunate. They do have a very big coop, so that's nice. But it, it is very contagious. The one good thing is that it is a relatively slow-moving contagious virus. It is contagious, but it doesn't move that fast. So sometimes if you can get one fast enough, if you catch the first one, you can quarantine that one and hopefully prevent it from getting to the others. But We didn't do that. No, it was too late. Too late. So the only other uh, update I wanted to give is that the little gold lace Wyandotte chicks that we have that are a week and a half old now have been switched over to shavings. So I'm kind of conflicted about that because the paper towel stage is gross because you have to change it every day, but you have to change it every day. So now they're on shavings, which is good, but now they're going to be kicking the shavings everywhere. So if they weren't so darn cute, it would be frustrating, but they're adorable. Okay, for the main feature today, we're going to do things a little bit different than we usually do. I don't like change. This is uncomfortable. If you don't like change, this might not be your favorite episode. (laughs) First, we have had several emails from listeners and even some of the reviews have mentioned that they wish the show was a little bit longer. Yeah, in the past, we've intentionally tried to keep the show under 30 minutes because we didn't want to put you to sleep. So today we aren't sure how long the episode will end up. We aren't aiming for a specific time. It's just going to end up wherever it ends up. So it might be 30 minutes. Could be three hours. We don't know where we're going here. Oh my, I don't know. It's going to be bedtime soon. Okay, the next thing that'll be a little bit different today is the content. When you were in school, I'm sure you've had the experience where you go to class. It's just a regular average day. You've got your books tucked under your arm and your notebook and you walk into class and as soon as you break through the door, you see the most marvelous thing in the classroom, even better than a substitute teacher. And that is the TV and the VCR. Or the film projector. Remember those? Does oh, that's that going age way me? Back. I know. That's, that's, that's going way, way back. That's old school right there. I'm not old enough to have seen a film right. projector in right. the class. Right. Those were my favorite days. I was always so excited when I saw that. It's like, woohoo, easy day. Film day was the magic, magic day because you knew that you didn't have to go so crazy with the note taking and it was a little more entertaining, even if it was educational, and uh, the lights were off, so they couldn't see where, you know, what you were scribbling in your notebook. and Or if you were sleeping. Yeah. That's what I always did. So that's what today is going to be a little bit like, because rather than do 63 reasons my chicken is better than your chicken, <laughs> which is the kind of topic we normally do, really regimented and bullet pointed. Because mm-hmm, you love the bullet points. 
Instead, today we're going to talk about some changes we're making around the ranch, and we'll discuss the reasons we're making those changes. And the idea is we'll give you a peek into our decision-making process and why we're doing what we're doing, and hopefully you can learn a few lessons along the way. Sounds good. Let's get to it. One of the breeds we raise is the Rhode Island Red. And we have one rooster named Cluck Norris and three hens. The Rhode Island Red is a great bird. I mean, I love collecting eggs from their coop because they lay very nice eggs, very consistent. A lot of eggs. Yes, and they're big. I mean, once the the chicken reaches maturity, boy, those are like almost extra large eggs sometimes. If you listen to the last episode, we talked to Joe last week about the leghorns being the queens of white egg laying. Well, the Rhode Island Reds are really the queens of brown egg laying. So if you like brown eggs and want a whole lot of them, Rhode Island Reds are a really good choice. And in the winter even, they I don't think they slowed down last year. I mean, we consistently got eggs from them when all the other hens really slowed down because of the, the lack of light. Uh, the roosters, Rhode Island Red roosters, are very useful in the development of a sex link hybrid. That's right. We can take... Cluck Norris, and we can mate him with our Bard Rock hens or with our Light Sussex hens, and you get sex link hybrid chicks. Sex link hybrid chicks, meaning when they hatch, you can tell as soon as they hatch whether they're males or females, which is pretty useful when you're raising chickens. Absolutely. Um, they're also one of the few birds that can tolerate both cold and hot, and in Florida, they need to be heat tolerant. And there's not a whole lot of them out there that really breeze through summer. And just because a breed isn't technically very heat tolerant doesn't mean you can't raise them in Florida, but they are a lot more work. It takes some effort to help them get through the summer heat. Whereas the Rhode Island Reds, you can pretty much leave them alone. They take care of business themselves. You'll be walking by the coops and you'll see even the dot rocks will be sitting there and they'll be panting a little bit. And then you go by the gold lace wine dots, they'll be panting. You go by the Rhode Island Reds, they're like sunning themselves. They're having a great old time. They're not affected by it at all. Now, the Rhode Island Red is a dual purpose bird. Dual purpose meaning you can raise it for both meat and egg production. Which is one of the main reasons we got it. And most of ours are all dual purpose breeds usually all of them are all of them yeah Yeah, every breed we have is a dual purpose bird right however not all dual purpose birds are the same and being a dual purpose bird doesn't mean you are a great layer and a great meat bird it means technically you could use them for both but you know technically you could eat any chicken you just might not enjoy it and get much meat out of it And technically, every chicken that is of laying age will lay eggs. They just may not lay a lot of them. Just because it's dual purpose doesn't mean it's the best layer and it doesn't mean it's the best meat bird. Well, look at our light Sussex. They grow pretty fast and they develop into a good sized body. They're nice and beefy for meat production. They're hefty gals. (laughs) They are big boned. We discussed that before in a previous episode, but... I don't think the ladies like big bone, though. That's a guy thing. They don't like hefty or beefy either. Uh, plus size? No. Now you're you're going to get some bad reviews here Uh now. Let's move on. Uh, Well, wait a minute. What is the term then? I have to know. No, I don't think you do. You just let me say it because I'm a woman, so I can say it and it's not offensive. Whereas you say it, you're walking the fine line. So they're beefy gals 
uh, but they're not exceptional layers. They don't lay a whole lot, um, a couple eggs a week for each of them. The experience of many people seems to be that they don't lay a lot, but I was a little shocked at how little ours are laying. Right. And the egg size is a little bit smaller. Um, so yeah, you've got the great big body, but you've got a real low egg production rate, but they're technically dual purpose. And then on the other side of the scale, you've got the Rhode Island Red. They are an unbelievable egg layer, just a brown egg laying machine, but their bodies, it's hard to describe. Their bodies are big, but they're not full. They're kind of scrawny or lanky maybe, or what? what is that that they used to call real tall boys? Bob. <laughs> no. They're like bean poles uh, of the chicken world. Well, it's not that they're that skinny, but they're not thick. Right. So that you don't look at them and go, mmm, mmm, chicken sandwich. No, no, you don't do that at all. You go, wow, that's a whole lot of feathers to pull out for not much meat. Right. <laughs> so we've decided to try raising a different breed. So we are bringing in New Hampshire Reds, which were developed from Rhode Island Reds. So they're very close in the family. They are very close because most breeds of chicken were developed over time by crossing two or more breeds to create something new. You take an existing breed, you bring in a little of that chicken over there that has a quality you like, then you get this chicken over here that has a quality you like, and over a period of many generations, you develop a new breed that will breed true, and you get accepted to the APA maybe, and you've got yourself a brand new chicken breed. But that's not how the New Hampshire was developed. The New Hampshire was developed solely from the Rhode Island Red. They didn't bring in any other blood. What they did is those clever people from New Hampshire, they went down on a raiding party down to Rhode Island. <laughs> they stole all their Reds. Took a bunch of Reds. <laughs> took them back to New Hampshire. Actually included Massachusetts too. But for the, for the simplicity of the story, we'll just say New Hampshire. What they did was they started only picking the very fastest growing Reds and reproducing those, and the rest they would cull. Uh, by the way, cull is a uh, is a nice way to say uh, slice them and eat them. Yeah, it's a politically correct way. You'll see them on the forums a lot. And when I first got into chicken keeping, I had no idea what they were talking about. Like they go, "Oh my, my chicken has bumblefoot. What do I do? Cull them." And I'm like, "Cull them? What is cull them?" And then like someone else would say, "Oh my, chickens have foul pox. What do I do?" call your whole flock. And I'm like, what are they saying to do? And Don would be like, no, they're, they're saying to kill them. Like, oh my gosh, that's a horrible thing to say, but it has that nice little name. And yeah, that's, that's what it means. So the farmers would just continuously mate all the fastest growing, earliest maturing Rhode Island Reds and keep mating those together. Well, after generations of doing this, their Rhode Island Reds really didn't look anything like the Rhode Island Reds that everybody knew. And somewhere along the line, they decided, let's call this a new breed because it really wasn't the same chicken after a while. Right, so that is where you get the New Hampshire Reds. They don't lay as many eggs as a Rhode Island, but we're only talking about the difference of maybe one per week. Is that a big deal? Not to me. I mean, it might be if you... You know, if you decide I want to have a small flock in my backyard and my only goal is to get a whole bunch of eggs to sell at church or on the side of the road, then 
you probably might care about that one egg a week. You know, if you've got 10 hens, that's 10 eggs a week difference. So you might care about that. Our situation is a little bit different because we are not selling the product. We want the layers for our own consumption and to give to family and friends. But we also value the dual purpose nature of our birds in being that at any time we could decide to raise some of them for meat. That was important to us. Right. And the New Hampshire red, they grow faster than a Rhode Island red and they are meatier. They're, they're, how did you say? Thicker, beefier. Well, now I'm afraid to say anything because <laughs> I don't know what the right term is. You refuse to tell me. Well, and I keep calling them beefy gals. Yeah. Like that's any better. Like, no. Like if you walk up to some lady on the subway, we don't have a subway here. Like if you walk up to some lady at a bus stop and say, hey, you're a beefy gal, she's not going to punch you in the face. <laughs> well, that wasn't exactly what I was getting at. I was saying how ironic it is that you call chickens beefy. I think that's even more. That's a little offensive to the chicken, I would think. Yeah, that's that's very offensive. Yeah, you're comparing me to a big mooing animal. So anyway, <laughs> to get this train somewhat back on track. That's right. In terms of meat production... The New Hampshire Reds are right up there with the best of the heritage breeds. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to compete with the Cornish Cross, which is a hybrid that the entire meat chicken industry uses. But there are no heritage birds that can compete with the Cornish Cross. Yeah, that hybrid is ginormous. But to us, we want to go the heritage meat bird route. And as far as heritage meat birds go, the New Hampshire is right up there with the best of the heritage birds. Yeah. Now, you guys may remember that we wanted our light Sussex to be our the staple of our meat bird production for our own consumption, but they just aren't reproducing. We cannot get their eggs to hatch. I mean, we can hatch everything out of all the other breeds, no problem. These guys will not hatch. Yeah, we know for a fact it's not the incubator. No. Because other eggs in there are hatching with a 90% hatch rate. We know it's not an issue of the kernel fertilizing the egg because you can crack the egg open, look for the blastoderm, and... You mean the bullseye? <laughs> it's the bullseye, yes. <laughs> blastoderm sounds like an itchy skin treatment. Ew, I want it? that in my egg. I've got dry, itchy skin. <laughs> you should try a blastoderm. <laughs> it does sound quite interesting. So we know the kernel is fertilizing the hens, and the hens are delivering fertilized eggs. So we know that for a fact. We know the hens are not infertile, or there's a very small probability that the hens are the problem because there's four hens in there and not one of them is laying hatching eggs. So the common denominator is the kernel. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening, but it's not going to go on much longer because we don't have chickens and are not feeding chickens just because they're pretty. They really, and that may sound cruel, but they really have to have a purpose. I've got enough animals here that are adorable and cute, like the dogs. And, you know, if they're not laying much, which they aren't, and if they're not giving us the ability to reproduce them, which they aren't, I, I'm I'm kind of going to call it quits with them. You know, we just got done saying that we aren't a commercial egg operation in terms of selling eggs and that type of thing. So... It's not that they don't have any pet value to us, but we aren't looking for them to be just pets. They need to have some kind of function. Right. As my favorite saying is, you make eggs or you make broth. Yeah, and and it's expensive to raise chickens. I mean, it's not like you're going to, 
you know, just spend a couple dollars a week on them, you've got five birds you're feeding, you're going through a lot of feed and you know, it, it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense for us to keep them around. It was not an easy decision because we really liked the light Sussex and They're we beautiful. went, you know, we really went out of our way to find them too we in did. the first place. Uh, we hunted them down to try and make them the foundation for our meat bird program. Right. We even special requested them from a local breeder. We finally found someone and they weren't hatching any. They actually put in a special, you know, a batch in for incubating. And we got that batch and we were so excited. But we waited almost a month for them. And so one of the options we discussed was to go back and get another light Sussex rooster and then wait six months for him to mature so that he could start fertilizing the four hens we already have. But the more we talked about it and the more we factored in the fact that the hens just aren't laying a whole lot, they're laying less than we expected. It just didn't seem worth feeding the four of them waiting for the rooster to come along. And I guess that's kind of how we arrived at our decision to say, let's get rid of the light Sussex. Now we were maybe, we're still talking about maybe giving the hens one more chance and putting a Rhode, our Rhode Island red rooster in with the light Sussex hens. That will give us a sex link hybrid. So if they hatch, we may have more to discuss about that. But if they don't, then I, I just don't know what to do other than move on and get rid of them. Yeah. So th- they may get a second chance at it. The Colonel is going to go over the road though. But anyway, back to the New Hampshire reds, you have a bird that lays slightly less eggs than a Rhode Island red, but is much more useful as a meat bird. So it's really more balanced, you know, where the Rhode Island red is very good at egg laying and very mediocre as a meat bird. The New Hampshire red is excellent at both. Right. And they both do very well in heat and cold, the Rhode Island and the New Hampshire. So we're not losing out on the heat tolerance in the bird. And they're good foragers. So that's another bonus. Uh, They'll eat a little bit less feed because they forage and and will get a lot of things out of the ground. And they handle confinement well. The confinement, not a really big issue for us. They have their chicken tractors. And then we let them out in the evening when we get home. And uh, most importantly for us is that in terms of creating the sex link hybrids, the Rhode Island Reds and the New Hampshire Reds are interchangeable. So any hybrid pairing that you use a Rhode Island red for, you can use a New Hampshire red in its place. Right. So that's exciting. And one area that they seem to differ in, which is a positive for me, is the temperament of the rooster. Uh, If you've listened to our past episodes, Rhode Island reds, and it has been true for ours, their roosters are known for being aggressive. Well, I love when you do the research on different breeds. They all say the exact same thing for Rhode Island Reds. They say roosters may become aggressive. Which means they will become aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. Now, roosters are roosters. If you don't handle your cockerels as they grow up to be roosters and you don't continue handling them as roosters, they will get defensive. They'll start to see you as a predator. But the Rhode Island Reds, we've had two Rhode Island Red roosters so far. And both of them were, I would uh, use the old cowboy term, ornery. Yes, that is the nice, kind way of saying it. 
They were like the crankiest old man. They were going to get you off their lawn. That's what it reminds me of is my grandfather when he would be like, get off the lawn to anybody walking by. That's what it's like. Everything but turn the hose on you. That's right. If he had a hose, you know it'd be on you. Well, and we've had this problem with other roosters. It's not just our Rhode Island Red. We had a barred rock that was very aggressive only to me. I don't know why. And we are raising up his son, who is George. And I'm telling you, because of that experience with his dad, I am out there like every couple days bribing that little cockerel with treats. And right now, he loves me. He follows me around. He runs to me. He actually was jumping up to try and get the cucumber I was feeding to the other chickens. It was adorable. Handling makes, and regular handling makes a big, big difference. So hopefully he will stay sweet as long as I keep bribing him with candy vegetables. Works for me. (laughs) Now, again, you can't always go by just what's in the brochure, but from everything I've read, most of the time, New Hampshire red roosters are a little more passive. They're not as aggressive as Rhode Island reds. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, like I said, they're still roosters. Yeah. So you still have to kind of handle them and do all that, but... It doesn't seem, from what I've read, that they have that Rhode Island red, to heck with it, I don't care how nice you are to me, I'm going to rip your face off. Yeah. Yeah. They don't realize it doesn't pay in the end for them. So we're not getting rid of our Rhode Island reds just yet. We still have them, but we ordered a batch of New Hampshire red chicks. Um, So we'll raise them up and see how they compare. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, we're really just looking to sort of do a comparison and see... If what we read is true, I'm not ready to send the Rhode Island Reds down the road yet because they are amazing layers. Now, this brings up another new thing for us is that we have always purchased our chickens from local breeders. And local meaning anywhere in a four hour driving distance radius because we have traveled far and wide for local breeders. Yeah, if I could get there on one tank of gas, it's considered local. (laughs) Yes. You know. That's the thing of being a pilot is you think local is a much broader range than most people do. (laughs) I think you do because that's not my thought of local. When we made this decision, we looked around and tried to find New Hampshire Reds locally, but it's just not a breed you see a lot in Central Florida, which is surprising to me because of their heat tolerance. You know, there are very few breeds out there that are truly heat tolerant. You think we'd have them all here in Florida. Right. Now, you do see a lot of Rhode Island Reds here. So I don't know if maybe it's just not as popular a breed, but maybe we'll change that. Or maybe we'll be a laughingstock. Maybe. <laughs> so without a local hatchery to fall back on, we did something we've never done before, and that's place an order with an internet hatchery. Yes. And we're not going to say the name of the hatchery yet because we want to evaluate and report on the entire experience, and we want the freedom to discuss the good and the bad. So we're keeping that under wraps for now, but... Suffice it to say, Don did a lot of research. We didn't want to order chicks from a hatchery that had year after year salmonella outbreaks in their chicks. Yes, we can tell you one hatchery that we did not order chicks from. If you want to figure out what that hatchery we did not order from is, you'll have to go back and listen to previous episodes and you'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, pretty pretty easy. But uh, Don did a lot of research and we feel pretty comfortable with where we ordered from, but we will let you know. Uh, and evaluate it as we... I'll be honest with you. I I was nervous from the beginning. I I have always resisted the ordering from Internet Hatchery, and I've read other people's accounts, and there are lots and lots and lots of people who get the birds online, have them shipped to the house in the mail. Happens every day. 
and people are happy and pleased as punch. But, you know, you hear stories and you don't know mm-hmm. what's true and you don't know what's not. So it's all based on hearsay. It's all based on gossip. And it's just not a great way to make a decision. So we've always sort of avoided that entirely. Now, I will say when I went to place the order, you can do it entirely online. I wasn't really comfortable with that. I wanted to talk to somebody. I, you know, I wanted to hear somebody's voice and I wanted to evaluate their voice and their confidence. And I wanted to get an idea of, am I talking to somebody who knows what's going on? Well, what did you experience? It was, it was good. Uh, I don't remember the, the gentleman's name, but he was very friendly. He knew everything I was talking about. I had a couple questions. He answered them perfectly. And he really did put me at ease. He was really, I don't know what else to say other than professional. You're pretty confident and comfortable then with uh, where we got them from so far. They haven't arrived yet. Uh, We should actually be getting them this Wednesday or Thursday. So just a couple days from now. It, It freaks me out a little bit that they're coming through the mail on almost every website we looked at. They have this caution, like, if you have children, open the box away from the children. Like, don't let them be the ones that open the box because things can happen in shipping and you don't want to traumatize the children if there are some that don't make it, which is kind of common. There's something that's out of their control, and that's the United States Postal Service. Oh, come on. There's never any problems there. I don't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) We will just move on. I will say we are in a relatively small town and our post office people are very pleasant, very nice. Not common. They just work for an evil organization. (laughs) That's right. They can't help it if they work for the Death Star. (laughs) No, that's too far. That's too much. But uh, today I got the notice that they were shipped today and I called the post office immediately and said, make sure you don't throw this on the truck for delivery. Hold it for me and call me and I'll come get it. And they were like, no problem, piece of cake. That's what we do anyway when we get the live chicks, but no problem. And he said, is your number on the box? I said, I'm sure it is. He took down my name, address, phone number, and everything anyway. Went to talk to Teresa in the back, and (laughs) they're all on the lookout. So, Well, that's the nice thing about being kind of in a small farming community is that this isn't something out of the ordinary for them. If we were in like downtown Sarasota or Sarasota, like where we used to live. Miami. Yeah, we never lived there. But could you imagine like they wouldn't know what to do with them because they never have it. While I was placing the order for the New Hampshire Reds, I thought this is an exciting time. We're going to try a new breed and kind of get some experience with those and see what they're like. Let's make it a twofer. So I decided to go ahead and order a second breed of chicken that I've always wanted that you can't find locally here. And uh, so we have two breeds of chicks coming. Yes, the other breed is the Jersey Giant. Now this was nowhere on my radar. It was always Don, he'd always mentioned them and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprise, it's for your anniversary. (laughs) Yeah, so we are going to be getting chicks of the largest chicken breed out there. They're like compared to turkeys. So that should be fun. I hope your chicken tractors are tall enough for them. Yeah, I may have to refit them with sunroof. (laughs) Well, because aren't the, don't the roosters get like two and a half to three feet tall? They can. That's like a small child walking around the yard. Yeah. That's going to be a little frightening to me, especially when they grow that big old spur. Yeah, the Jersey Giants are the the biggest breed. Kind of a standard 
rooster might get to eight, eight and a half pounds. That would be considered a heavy breed. Jersey giant roosters, they can get to like 13 pounds. Yeah. So we'll be posting several pictures once they get bigger because I'll be putting like yardsticks next to them to measure it. Like you're not going to believe how big these things are. Well, they say pictures don't do them justice. You have to see them in person to just gauge how big they really are. Because they sort of look like a standard chicken in the picture. Everything's sort of proportional. Yeah. They are not those, you know, a lot of Asian chickens, they're very tall, but they're really skinny. They literally stand straight up instead of the the chicken body conformation we're familiar with. They stand straight up. They're very skinny. No, these are big, hefty chickens. So I'm pretty excited. Yes, you are. I'm very excited. Now... One thing I read is that sometimes the internet hatcheries, they've always focused on picking Jersey Giants that lay more. So sometimes the ones you get off the internet hatcheries aren't quite as big. I hope that's not the case. I'm looking for the biggest, biggest birds we can possibly get. And one thing you'll like is that everybody says that Jersey Giants, roosters, and hens alike are just the sweetest chickens anybody has ever seen. Well, it seems like if anybody can turn a rooster aggressive, it's me. So it'll be quite a challenge. Well, I'll accept the challenge of getting that. uh, Maybe you should talk a little nicer to him. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I send off some kind of weird energy. You got a vibe. I do. Okay. So that's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. If you do like the show, consider giving us a really nice review on iTunes and also tell a friend, get them listening. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash 16. That's all for today. See you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.